The study to explore early development, or SEED, was launched a few years ago and recruited kids two to five years old and their families to specifically look at factors that increase the probability of being diagnosed with autism. This includes both genetic, but lots of environmental risk factors. And it should be noted that the environment is defied broadly, including maternal health during pregnancy and health of the child during infancy in the first few years of life. The investigators also wanted to better understand physical and behavioral characteristics and compare them to those without a developmental delay or disability and those with a developmental delay or disability without autism. This may include comorbid symptoms like medical problems or psychiatric issues like anxiety or ADHD. To address some of the questions that they are asking, especially when it comes to risk factors for a diagnosis, researchers need lots of people, big data. While the study is still ongoing, they also can't wait forever for the study to be completed, for all their questions to even be addressed. So thank you to Seed for going ahead and doing some analyses to see what they found so far. Two studies came out this week that I think the community wants to hear about, so I'm sharing them with you. It doesn't mean that they are the only seed studies of importance, but they kind of tie together and they came out around the same time, so I'm going to explain them. The first deals with a question that I know is on the minds of many moms, at least about 10% of us, and it's infertility. And I'm not just saying female infertility, male infertility is a big one too, but this one just looked at female infertility because there are only a few, but sometimes confusing studies about the role of infertility treatments and their role in autism. There have been a couple of studies that have linked one particular fertility treatment to autism. It's called intracytoplasmic sperm injection or ICSI. Okay, I'm gonna get graphic here. There's lots of fertility treatments, But one is in vitro fertilization, where the sperm and the egg are taken from the mom and dad, mixed up in a bowl, and then the embryo is put back in the uterus to grow. Sometimes just mixing them together in a bowl does not work, and the sperm literally has to be injected into the egg to get the embryo going. A recent meta-analysis went through all the different studies of a longer-term outcome of kids that had been conceived this way, and they were somewhat contradictory. Some showed no difference compared to others. Some showed a slight risk of autism. And others that didn't look at autism at all did show reductions in IQ in kids conceived with ICSI. Sometimes the differences were because the comparison group were those that had no IVF. Sometimes the comparison group was those who were able to conceive without any interventions. In any event, let's just put it this way. In some very large studies, there's a very small increase in the probability of having a child with autism after ICSI or ICSI, but not IVF overall or ovarian stimulation. You know what? Guess what? I'm not really surprised about this. Stuff happens. It's crazy, but with all those variables, it just takes one thing to be off and things may go haywire. But on the other hand, is it something that goes with ICSI, ICSI, or is it the fact that there is a fertility problem to begin with? Is ICSI something that can be modified to change risk of autism? Well, there's good news and there's bad news. It isn't about ICSI as much as it's about being infertile. All these other studies that looked at specific infertility treatments didn't necessarily consider the underlying cause. Was it the treatment or was it the underlying infertility? However, this new study from SEED was able to show no shame and not be shy, and they literally asked moms, hey, what was your specific infertility problem? And these infertility problems can be things like blocked or damaged fallopian tubes, 
PCOS, multiple ovarian cysts, diminished ovarian reserve because of advanced age, premature ovarian failure or medical condition, endometriosis, uterine problems such as fibroids, or something that was completely unexplained. Then they looked at all the treatments out there, medications, procedures, herbs, all of it. Out of all the families they looked at that received infertility treatments, 185 had a child with autism and 217 didn't have a child with autism. Just based on percentages, this is higher in those with autism, even if the absolute number is lower. But when they looked at causes versus treatments, it was an overall challenge of infertility rather than the specific treatment that accounted for the increased probability of having a child with autism. They had a 20% higher odds of use of any maternal infertility treatment and a 20 to 50% higher odds of use of six of the nine specific infertility-related medications or procedures, like gonadotropin ovarian stimulation medications, progesterone medications, HCG medications, gonadotropin agonist or antagonist medications, or other medications used to prevent miscarriage and artificial reproductive technology. So this is particularly interesting. If a mom had an infertility treatment without an infertility disorder, and frankly, I know why would anyone go through this, but some people freeze their eggs for later, or sometimes couples definitely want a girl, so they put together some embryos and then implant those of the sex that they want, um, there was no increased risk. So just the treatment alone didn't produce the increased risk. It was something about having an infertility issue that was behind the increased risk. This SEED study shows us that the infertility itself is more of a factor than the treatment, although other studies don't let ICSI off the hook completely. And I'm not saying that ICSI should be off the table when thinking about risk factors for autism. So you can't control your infertility. And because you can't control your infertility, sometimes you don't get to pick exactly when you have your kids. You could get pregnant easily the first time and then it could take years to have the second. Or you could have a million problems with the first and then your doctor tells you to hurry up and have another because there's a particular window of fertility right after giving birth. But in most cases, parents choose the timing of baby two after baby number one or baby number three after baby number two. But does this have anything to do with autism and if so, what? Well, it turns out that if you wait longer than five years between the two kids or if you decide to have a child within 18 months of the first one, that the risk of that second child or third child having a diagnosis of autism is higher. Between 18 months and five years, there was really no effect. Now, this hasn't been the first time this has been shown, but it is a replication from a larger study, and it's also the first study to look at what was the length rather than defining what was a short interpregnancy interval or a long interpregnancy interval. So this study defined that 18 months to five years. It let the data decide on what was short and what was long. Also, this was the first study to compare autism spectrum disorder to not just non-autism spectrum disorder, but to developmental delay, which also included a variety of causes, but may have included kids with disabilities that didn't meet criteria for an autism diagnosis. But this effect of very short or very long interpregnancy intervals was more pronounced for kids with severe autism symptoms measured by something called the Autism Diagnostic Observation Scale. Now, this is an in-person assessment, and it's not necessarily the part of other large registries or insurance databases which have been examined in the past. So this is another way this data set is unique. It actually looks at the degree of severity of symptoms, and it seems like this effect is limited to those with higher severity scores. So what's going on here? 
Well, one thing could be that if you have two children too close together, the nutrient reserves in your body are pretty much non-existent. And so when you try to get pregnant right away and you haven't had time to replenish, it may affect kind of the chemistry, especially maybe the folic acid pathway, which we talked about a few weeks ago being important for risk of autism. The effect does seem pretty specific to autism as it wasn't seen in the developmental delay group with or without intellectual disability. As for the long interpregnancy interval, I thought at first, well, of course, it's age as parents get older as time goes on and between the two kids. But apparently the effect was seen even after the analysis was corrected for age. Now, I asked the lead author, Laura Sheave, what she thought, and she didn't want to speculate. But she also mentioned that longer IPIs are also associated with preterm births, eclampsia and other obstetrical complications. So the link to autism may also be there through those mechanisms. My bottom line is this. Sometimes you can't control your risk factors. You can't control infertility. And if I thought about this from an ethics perspective, I don't think you can even control your fertility treatment. But for most people who don't need fertility treatments and who can control their interpregnancy interval, consider giving that some thought. And forget about autism. Short and long interpregnancy intervals cause a lot more birth complications and a much higher risk of preterm birth than it does for autism. So this is kind of like the more you know infomercial. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.